right. Good morning, friends. <clears throat> Today is Wednesday, July 20th. This is episode 157 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 30 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news of the day and providing expert analysis on each of those stories <clears throat> on what it means to you as a practitioner. Or if you're looking to break in the industry, you're definitely going to want to stick around. There's what I would like to call good value all up in this stream. Shout out and thanks to this stream sponsor, the one and only, pointing to them right here, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Cyber criminals have stolen your company's data and derailed your business operations. Barricade Cyber Solutions will help you resolve this ransomware attack and more importantly to your boss, <laughs> get your business back on track. I want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications such as CISP, CISA, CISM, these type of certs, each episode of the daily cyber threat briefing is worth half a CPE, which goes towards uh, maintaining those credentials and they stack. So that's two and a half a week, 10 a month. So make sure you say what's up in chat. That way your name is associated. It's basically like roll call and you will be able to point back to an auditor and say, see, I was at all these different uh, briefings. That is CPEs, get up off my back. Just be sure to document literally what I would say the easiest and most entertaining way to get CPEs. If you are live, love it. I see 50 of you in here already. That's awesome. I appreciate you being here. We're going to have a good time. If you are on replay, drop a hashtag team replay in the chat. I appreciate you catching the stream. And just so you know, team replay, I said it yesterday. I'll tease it later today in the show. I am pushing the threat briefing. This threat briefing every morning uh, will be pushed also to an audio podcast. So you can catch it on replay on YouTube, LinkedIn, etc or you can have it pushed to your podcast app of choice which i'll show you all how to do that um midway through the show during the mid reel so if you are on replay or you're listening to this in the soothing sounds of your audio podcasting you can just jump ahead by either grabbing the scroll or pressing that 30 second future button and when this thing changes or when i'm not playing pleasantries we'll be doing the news but for the next i don't know couple minutes uh, we will be diving into the pleasantries and saying good morning to everybody. Now, everybody, I would love to share with you that I had have, I've had enough, right? So I've been on a Mac forever, but the last five weeks I've been on a Windows workstation and it worked pretty good. I'm not saying Apple's dead to me. I'm just saying yesterday I reached a breaking point when something happened that I literally tore all of my Apple equipment out of my my studio. Like you guys can't see the hot mess that's below the camera angle, but I ripped it all out. I dropped a Windows machine in here. I set up stuff, new software, new hardware, new routing, everything is new. And I'm hoping for a smoother operation, a cleaner show, all these things, but don't worry. The soundboard still works, so we got that. So let me know if we run into any issues with the podcast. You know, they, if you can't hear the podcast, obviously that's a major issue. So we'll work through that together uh, in a minute. But let me know if everybody, um, did you hear the spicy sound or, or the yeet? Yeet! Let me know. Okay, all right, so good. So... <laughs> 
Microphone check one, two, what is it, right? All right, Defcon Spicy on his Mac stuff. Oh God, you have no idea what happened yesterday. I lost my mind. Like you guys see me spicy on, on camera, but I was, basically my boss asked me for something and I was unable to deliver it or it, it wasn't as clean as I wanted it to be, right? I'm very big on structure and organization and it was not that way and I got super pissed and uh, I went nuclear. I went nuclear and uh, I took everything out. So it's really it's really the podcast I'm worried about right now with the audios, but that's fine. Hey, Mark Schrader, I saw the uh, squad support. Love it. Hey, Kimberly, good to see you. Kevin Lansinger on LinkedIn is always nice. Ed, my man, consistent, Ed, I love it. You've been Applejacked, that's right. Hey, Hamza, Mufti, good to see you. Good morning, Jamila Wilson. Hey, Ryan Spishok, good to see you. New here. Hey, RogueBit66. RogueBit66 on Discord. I'd love you to just settle in, relax, and uh, enjoy the stream. I think you're going to really have a good time here. Carl Ron, good to see you in here. Tony MBA, squad support. Do love uh, all the support y'all throw at me. Uh, Alexis, did not fire off, Miss Julian. I did not fire off. Yeah. I'm telling you, technology is good, but the second it doesn't work, especially if you work with tech all the time, if it doesn't work, it like instantly, it's 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 nuclear. <laughs> now, granted, I am from Boston, uh, so like I have Massachusetts upbringings, which means that I go from zero to like lunatic in about two seconds, especially if I'm driving. But uh, I do go from lunatic to zero pretty quickly as well. All right, get your coffee ready, everybody. Let's let's slug this. Mm. I do want to give a shout out to a squad member and a great member of the Simply Cyber community. He typically runs kind of like lurking in the background. Um, MDK, I won't even say his full name, just MDK. He knows who he is. Um, connected with me and sent me some coffee. I received the coffee. Uh, as soon as this French roast bag uh, completes MDK, I'll be getting into that Colombian coffee and letting you know what's up. Yeah, Ron. No, I did keep my Mac uh, in storage in case I do need an emergency business continuity plan. I did not go uh, full office space. Mm. Oh, on the Zacom right now. Hey, George. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. George, let me know if you're a Patriots fan. Maybe we can connect on that. Mm. Okay, so let's get going. Guys, fingers crossed for the podcast. Mods, get ready. Here we go. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Wednesday, July 20th, 2022. Car GPS tracker exposes location data. Security researchers at BitSight found six vulnerabilities in a GPS tracker from the company Mycotis, this tracker includes a hard-coded password that can be used to remotely control the tracker, access real-time location data, pass routes, and even cut off fuel. The tracker also ships with a default user password of 23456, with researchers finding 95% of sample devices didn't change it. The company claims to have over 1.5 million hardwired GPS trackers in use across vehicle fleets, national governments, militaries, and law enforcement. BitSight characters these vulnerabilities as not difficult to exploit and suggest that other trackers from the company may have similar vulnerabilities. 
impacted trackers largely reside in Ukraine, Russia, Uzbekistan, and Brazil, as well as across Western Central Europe. Okay. What the hell? Okay. Um, couple things here. One, I, I really have a tough time um, fully appreciating this story. They said, okay, so here's the deal. GPS tracker in cars. They did not say North America, right? Probably because it got sniffed out a little faster. Europe, uh, Ukraine, Uzbekistan. I think it's China-based. I might be mistaken on that, but I feel like they said China-based. This tracker, um, okay, so just from a poor vendor uh, operation perspective, has a hard-coded password of 123456. Are you joking me in 2022? Hard-coded password, 123456. So I don't know if that password can be changed or if it's hard-coded in the sense that it's firmware-based hard-code. Like the term hard-code can be used a little loosely to mean a couple different things. That is ridiculous. The fact that you can do indirect um, indirect directory object reference or indirect object reference, I forget what the D stands for, but basically you can just do like whack, whack, and then wherever you want in the directory hierarchy, like on the operating system without any kind of um, permissions or you know authorization checking or anything like that, that's a hot mess on fire. Okay, so that's just bad engineering that could be exploited by anyone. Now let's talk about the secret squirrel, spyware, um, espionage level crap going on in here. It has the ability to pinpoint exactly where you are, shut off your fuel, and do some other stuff with the vehicle. Now, I don't understand how a GPS tracker has the ability to shut off the fuel to the vehicle. To me, a GPS tracker is a homing beacon, an Apple AirTag, if you will, that beacons where you are, right? And if you're into privacy, that's not good. But if you own a fleet of vehicles and you want to know where they are, or um, you know, you have uh, cabs, right? Like fleet of vehicle or, or logistics company, and you need to know where things are so you can optimize routes, that makes sense. But I don't understand how a GPS tracker has anything to do with the fuel to the vehicle. Like the fuel system... You know, unless it's, I guess, maybe it's a GPS tracker slash um, security system. So if someone steals your vehicle, like LoJack, I don't know if LoJack still exists, but it was the OG, like car theft, anti-theft uh, de device. Um, if someone steals your car, you can pinpoint where it is and cut off the gas. That's the only way I can see any logical reasoning for that type of capability. Uh, obviously, the much more... Um, nefarious capability is that you could if it's in um government yeah it is chinese built if it's in government vehicles if it's in military vehicles especially that's scary uh one and a half million trackers across 420,000 customers a lot of fortune 50 companies it says a nuclear power plant operator right so it's not good right you can track where these people are for uh, military operations if you wanted to kidnap and extort right? Like I know exactly where this VIP is going to be. And oh, by the way, I'll just wait till they're going up the Pacific Coast Highway, kill their fuel, and then descend upon them and kidnap them instead of having to do it like in downtown, you know, Central Square or like in a building that's heavily guarded. You see what I'm saying? This has um, like tendrils that could be really, really scary. Um, I guarantee you nobody who like opted into this was aware that it could be remotely accessed by the vendor uh, at will, right? But 
the final thing I'll say about this is keep this in mind. Let's just say that the Simply Cyber community, okay, get ready, get ready for the Oprah emotes, okay? Like, let's just say in a, in a different universe, I give every one of you a car. You get a car. You get a car. Kimberly gets a car. Mark Schrader gets a car, okay? And then I put GPS on it because I'm going to monitor the fleet, okay? This makes sense because I need to be able to remote into it to check fuel mileage or check where you are or whatever, okay? Or shut the gas off. Anytime, anytime, this is axiomatic and you should take this with you in the future. Anytime you employ a solution that allows anyone to remotely access it. And the idea is that, you know, like, oh, it's, it's an administrative tool for BSEC to be able to remotely administrator the trucking fleet, right? The fact that it has remote access capabilities, that should fire off in your head as a risk that it could be exploited. The fact that you can access it remotely means that there's a possibility that anyone can access it remotely. And you need to be mindful of that. The only way to control that risk, like with certainty, is to remove the remote access capability altogether, which has a burden cost to it because now BSEC cannot remotely administer the fleet. Okay. So just be mindful of that. And I don't care what kind of vendor spin they put on where it's like, oh, don't worry. Like you get to put a really tight password on it. Yeah. But they don't mention in their slick sheet that they have a hard coded one, two, three, four, five, six password. All right. Got, I got light spice there. Light, here. light spice on that one pisses me off. Like remote access. I have a big problem with abused remote access, apparently. Russian malware groups spoof pro-Ukrainian apps. Researchers at Google's Threat Analysis Group discovered that the pro-Kremlin threat group Turla created an app called Cyber Azaz, which references Ukraine's far-right military unit. Last year, the same group compromised EU and American organizations with malware. The app claims it launches a denial-of-service attack against Russian websites. Instead, the app installs a Trojan on a device. Mm -hmm. The app must be sideloaded and is not available on the Play Store. Google researchers believe only a small number of people installed the spoofed app. Okay. Mac OS back. I'm trying to pull up another thing really quick. I'll talk about it and I'll spend like one second seeing if I can pull it. But listen, I'm stunned that this hasn't happened already. In fact, I would be, I would, I would bet, I would bet a little bit of money, not enough that matters to me, but I would bet a little bit of money that this has happened and it just hasn't been covered in a news story like this. Here's what happens. Obviously, Russia and Ukraine are at war right now. Russia makes uh, a Trojan horse app and makes the app a very, very pro-Ukraine app, right? So the idea is that your target audience that like is likely to install it are pro-Ukraine, either Ukrainians that are military, Ukrainians that are citizens and supporting or uh, Ukrainian sympathizers who are trying to do something to lend support to their conflict. This app is supposed to opt you in to a denial of service attack on obviously Russian assets. Now, this totally plays into the IT army, um, Ukrainian IT army that was big in like March of 22. Uh, if you guys remember like when the war first started, there was like, basically, um, Zelensky said, hey, world, help me. Um, I'm not getting help at the geopolitical level. So citizens of the world, help me join the IT army. And like, basically, people were sending, you know, uh, Russian um, 
assets, IP addresses, websites, domain names, et cetera, to say, attack these. Now, we covered this at length on the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing back in March when this happened, talking about how you know, you, you're, you're assuming that the Twitter account telling you what to attack is actually legitimate, and they're not just saying, oh, yeah, attack this Russian asset, but it's really you know, a U.S. asset or a Ukrainian asset, and you're attacking yourself, right? So we talked about the, the values and, and, and you know, disadvantages of weaponizing crowdsourced uh, IT uh, cyber capabilities. Now, this one right here, think about this. You can have a pretty high confidence that 99% of people that download this app, if you're Russia, okay, I'm speaking just as Russia right now, 99% of people that download this app are on the opposite side of the conflict as you because they're opting into a weapon that's supposed to attack Russia. Okay, so if 99% of people who install this app are your quote unquote enemy and you, it's Trojanized so you can see like stuff on the app or probably GPS location. I, I didn't hear the whole story, but if they know exactly where you are and they can run malware on your devices, they can cripple a strong um, amount or a material amount of technology in the enemy's hands, right? So this is, this is brilliant. Um, and the reason that I was going to bring up another story, like obviously be mindful of this, the fact that you have to sideload it should tell you that it, it has potential to be a um, piece of malware. By the way, sideloading is where you install an app on a mobile device that isn't through like the traditional Play Store or something like that. You have to load it like <laughs> on the side, right? Like basically you shove it in there like, uh, like you would install your own kind of uh, app or something like that. Now, Wired Magazine actually did a really good article. Uh, Ukraine, Russia, APT29. Um, uh, mobile device, malware, mm, what would they call it? Um, weapons, I guess. Let's see if I can find this really quick. No. It was a few years ago. Unfortunately, I can't find it. It was a few years ago, but listen, I, I, this is kind of unfortunate. I mean, this isn't kind of, this is really unfortunate. About four or five years ago, there was another incident very deadly, okay, where Russia and Ukraine were in a conflict and somebody, it, it was believed to be Cozy Bear, I believe, it was definitely a Russian APT, wrote an app that allowed you to calculate how you would, and again, I'm not military, so I might get these terms wrong, but how you could calculate the um, configuration of a mortar shooting uh, cannon thing, okay? obviously not military, right? So, and the idea, and it was written in whatever language Ukrainian people speak, it was targeted for Ukrainian people. And the idea is that like, oh, hey, I'm a Ukrainian mortar soldier and I don't know how to like angle this thing to hit my targets, but there's an app right here. So I'll just download the app. And now it says, oh, I just, you know, 14 degrees North, seven degrees East. The map says it'll hit my target. Boom, thank you, artillery trajectory. Well, the problem was, and this is gross, the problem is that the app is obviously beaconing GPS location of where the app is. And if I'm programming artillery, I'm at the damn artillery site. So obviously it was basically lighting up where the Ukrainian mortar uh, defenses were and Russia um, launched kinetic, 
uh, munitions into those GPS locations and uh, <clears throat> addressed that issue for themselves. So anyways, this isn't the first time that Russia has leveraged basically malware apps in order to um, attack Ukraine. Okay. Actor speaks to the cloud. Security researchers at Asset discovered a backdoor named Cloud Mensis at work in the wild since February. This backdoor exclusively uses public cloud storage services to communicate with operators. The researchers observed it leveraging pCloud, Yandex Disk, and Dropbox to receive commands and send data out. The code complexity indicates the threat actor may not be overly sophisticated. The distribution vector and overall targets remain a mystery. The backdoor doesn't appear to utilize any zero-day exploits to get onto systems, so the researchers suggest making sure machines are running up-to-date versions of macOS as the best mitigation. All right. Well, <laughs> well, I'll say this. You know, I don't know who's running Macs in here. Certainly not this guy, LOL. Um, okay, so they didn't really go into much. There's some piece of malware, persistence, mechanism uh, uh aka a backdoor that is, is circ circulating on, on mac os um doesn't really explain how you get infected with it or how you can tell if you've been compromised obviously if you're running um in an enterprise right <laughs> well i'll talk about that in a second uh if you're running in an enterprise hopefully your edr and firewall and ids and sims technologies will will catch this um, they did say it does not look like a Mac malware author wrote it, a little less sophisticated. It is using public cloud, which likely means that your firewall wouldn't catch it because you're not going to block traffic to Azure uh, or Google, uh, obviously, because there's a lot of legitimate business reasons for accessing those. Um, yeah, I guess it, this, this is worth like kind of digging in a little bit, but there really was no context in the story on what you can do as a, a practitioner. One thing I will point out, and I feel like BSEC might do like a hashtag preach. Like, I feel like BSEC is definitely someone who probably deals with this. Guys, most organizations run Windows, okay? They run Windows workstations for their endpoints, and they run Windows Server for their backend IT infrastructure, uh, and they run Linux for a couple, um, you know, critical IT uh, infrastructure, okay? Like, like file server or something like that. Now... A lot of organizations don't have Macs, except the C-suite. This happens all the time. They make policy, but, you know, who's going to tell the CEO that they can't run a Mac, right? Like, obviously. So then they get kid, uh, not kid gloves, but they get special treatment, right? So now you have to manage a fleet of Windows workstations and keep up to date on all the um, threats and, you know, vulnerabilities and actively exploitation type stuff going on in your Windows fleet. And then you've got, you know, CEO uh, Carl uh, Vandersloot, like who gets the Mac OS, right? So you've got to manage that too. So unfortunately, it's a high. Unfortunately, it's a higher risk um, account. So the so the impact goes up when you're doing your risk calculation on how to how to deal with this. Uh, but just be mindful of that. Again, if you are running any Macs in your op in your environment. Uh, they did say in the story that uh, Apple reported that keeping up to date on current patches is the best way to do that. Um, most people I've run into, including, you know, the, the Carl um, Vanderbilts, uh, the CEOs of the world, 
they like staying up to date on patches. You can set it to auto patch. Um, you just tell them that they, <laughs> this is terrible, but you just tell them that there's new features and that by updating, they get access to like the new emoji keyboard or, you know, like the Android green bubbles will be blue. Like you, I'm not saying lie to them. Don't lie. Okay. That line's not good, but just in addition to the security patch, look at what new feature is coming out and explain that. <laughs> and you'll get a lot more, um, less friction. Okay. Less friction, less friction. All right. That's just a pro tip. You won't read that in, in a, uh, <laughs> you won't read that in a textbook. China concluding security audit on DD. Shortly after DD Global went public on the New York Stock Exchange last year, Chinese regulators began a cybersecurity investigation into the company, eventually leading it to delisting from the exchange and subjecting it to significant sanctions. Now, the Wall Street Journal sources say the Cyberspace Administration of China will end its investigation into DD Global's cybersecurity practices, preparing to issue a fine of over $1 billion. After that, the regulator will allow DD to add new users to its platforms, relist its app domestically, and allow it to pursue a listing on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. All right. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like this one, I don't know too much about. DD is essentially like Chinese Uber. Um, I guess they did an investigation. We've talked about this a little bit on the show uh, recently. But for some reason, I thought DD... Um, <laughs> Listen, they may have had data security breaches. They may have had problems. They may have actually warranted a $1 billion fine. Uh, for some reason, again, fact check me on this. Um, I'm saying this because I, this is how my memory recollects, but you know, don't, don't take this to the bank. If I'm not mistaken, Didi tried to list on a non-Chinese stock exchange, like the, the New York Stock Exchange. And once they did that, they began to get investigated and held over barrel. And then they said, okay, we'll, we'll list on the Chinese stock exchange. And then like, I thought the investigation ceased after that and that the government, Chinese government was going to put Chinese government officials on the board of advisories of Didi. I, I'm, I'm fairly certain that was the story. Well, it sounds like, you know, I guess the epilogue to that story is they're going to get a billion dollar fine and they're going to be able to list on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. But I don't know about you guys. Yeah, Didi was trying to list on the New York Stock Exchange. Thanks, Secmeister, for confirming that. So my my I hate to be cynical, guys, but my mind goes to this billion dollar fine. Yeah, it was probably they probably found something. But it sounds more like a punitive uh, punishment and making an example of Didi to other businesses that dare try to list outside of China, right? So Chinese businesses basically sending a message to, uh, or the Chinese government sending messages to the Chinese uh, businesses. Just a theory, you know, someone could argue on that with me. That's fine. But um, I'll tell you what, here's another, like, another thing you'll never read in a academic textbook or anything like that. We have compliance standards. We have regulatory bodies that define controls that you have to follow. Dude, I've been in this game a long time. Nobody is compliant with all controls, okay? It's just not possible, right? For, for various reasons. It's not like negligence or, or um, you know, sinister 
reasons. It's just, there's a million reasons. I could do a whole, I could go through the NIST 853 and give reasons on why each one won't work in some situations, right? Some orgs, some environments, some people, some business sizes, some financial reasons. Like there's a million reasons, okay? So data security breaches, data, like any regulation, regulator, any regulator, right? The U.S. government could go into any business right now. I don't care if you're Amazon, Google, Apple, or your Joel Belton's ice cream shop that we love to point at. If you're to comply with a security standard, I guarantee you it is easy to find at least one, if not many controls that are not implemented correctly. And again, there's many reasons why that's true, but I'm just saying it if you needed an excuse to point to publicly on why you're finding a billion dollars, it wouldn't be difficult to find. Now, thanks. All right, like let's listen to CISO series uh, pay their bills. Today's episode sponsor, Six Clicks. Your GRC solution is only as valuable as the reports it can generate. Provide an exceptional analytic experience for all your GRC stakeholders with the Six Clicks reporting suite. Unlock powerful insights and prove compliance using dashboards and charts, pixel-perfect reporting, presentations, and data storytelling via LiveDocs. For more information, visit sixclicks.com slash analytics slash overview. All right. Uh, I do want to take a moment and thank everybody. Obviously, BSEC with the uh, uh, Nate Dog and Warren G reference. Do love it. Do love me some uh regulators uh guys i want to thank you really quickly uh point out you may have noticed i'm wearing my u.s cyber games shirt whoop, whoop. do love uh supporting them and being a uh, officially a mega fan simply cyber is a mega fan um us cybergames.com to learn about season two it is um the combine just like the nfl combine august 5th through september 5th it is an invite only but you can go to uscybergames.com if you want to apply um, to be iteration. They have an open CTF, um, or the open CTF actually just ended. There, there's a bunch going on at the US Cyber Games. Uh, I recommend you check it out. Also, uh, at Black Hat on August 10th, they are running um, an open, or it's not, it is open, but it's team based capture the flag. Um, they call it King of the Hill. Uh, as of right now, I will be there as part of the production crew. I'm still waiting to get clarification on all that. That's kind of um, not well defined right now. But I might be, I might be the sideline reporter. You know, the guy who they cut to, and then they interview like the player, the coach, uh, whatever, and then they go back to the booth. I might be that guy. So, uh, anyways, pretty cool. Uh, obviously, they sent me this cool jersey. It says Jerry guy on the back. It's my online handle if you see me on xbox us cyber games also really quick i want to remind people since i've been doing a terrible job of this i have been running an instagram account gerald osier simply cyber you can see the instagram handle right there if you want um to catch you know i've got all sorts of stuff going on in the instagram videos stories um all that stuff if you want to go check it out give it a follow uh that would be much appreciated i will be instagramming is that the right term? I will be Instagramming from um, Black Hat and DEF CON, right? So to include the Cyber Games event I just told you about, to include uh, a breakfast um, event at the Four Seasons around cyber insurance that I do every time I go out there, 
Um, I'm supposed to be on a panel regarding cybersecurity issues in the metaverse hosted by Trend Micro. Uh, we're still trying to sort the details out on that, but I'm doing a lot of crap while I'm out there. And hopefully I get to run into a bunch of you too. And I'll, um, we could take pictures and post it on Instagram. It'll be a good time. So I plan on using that Instagram account to document, photo document uh, most of the uh, week there. Although I will say when DEF CON starts, I'll probably go a little bit dark because Black Hat, you're less likely to get pwned. <laughs> DEF CON, I've had my cell phone uh, compromised at DEF CON. So I'm just not into, I'm just not into that. Um, a big pain in the ass. So, all right. Thanks, everybody. Microsoft reverses on open source policy. Last month, Microsoft updated its store policies to forbid the sale of open source software. Now, in an update to the policy, the company reversed its ban and will allow otherwise compliant open source software to be available for purchase. Microsoft's Giorgio Sardo said the company implemented this ban to protect customers from misleading product listings out of concerns that bad actors would list otherwise software for sale with no other value add to the product. It made the reversal after listening to feedback. Yeah, I will say, um, <laughs> way to go, Microsoft, like for, for seeing the obvious um, compromise or the obvious potential um, malicious use of hosting open source software for sale and basically just making a buck off somebody's back. Um, trying to understand, I mean, Microsoft owns GitHub, right? So they are they are two feet, pants pulled way up uh, into the open source uh, open source software community. So I do appreciate that. Um, I didn't hear the full story. My my thought is that they are going to have they've reversed. They've probably figured out a way to control threat actors from selling open source software, right? So putting Nmap up for a dollar, right? Um, so open source is cool. I'm glad that they're having it. They'll probably have some type of uh, code checking or I, I don't know exactly what it is, but they're going to offer it and support it. And I'll tell you what, it's good because if you're not, um, if you're not tech savvy, right. And you want to use a tool that's on GitHub, you may have to do like, you may have to compile it, right. You may have to do C make and do all that stuff, or you may, not understand how to pull you may not even know how to download from github okay so by putting it in the microsoft store and making it kind of a one click you're you're making it more accessible to a wider audience right everyone from super tech it admin all the way down to carl like they're making it accessible so this is cool um you know i like it all right uh joel simply cyber after show defcon advice um, I'm not sure what you mean. Like after this stream, give some advice. I don't know. P put it in chat. Disrupts or DM North me. Korean threat group targeting hospitals. Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco announced that the FBI and U.S. Justice Department disrupted the activities of the Maui ransomware group. This came as part of a plea by Monaco for organizations hit by ransomware to report incidents to law enforcement. In this case, a Kansas hospital hit with Maui ransomware contacted the FBI. It was able to trace ransom payments through a China-based money laundering service to North Korean threat actors. The FBI recovered the hospital's ransom and other funds in the process. Wow. Okay, so we talked about Maui ransomware recently. Uh, many of us, me, 
suspected that it was uh, through Lazarus Group or a splinter of Lazarus Group, you know, like basically the Lazarus B team potentially. Lazarus Group is the North Korean APT capability that basically funds North Korea's regime. They basically steal money, okay? Like they were uh, attributed to the Axie Infinity Ronin Bridge uh, crypto attack that was like a couple months ago to the tune of $600 million. They're still washing that crypto money through uh, blenders and twisters or whatever they called. They're, they're laundering that money right now. Um, Lazarus Group famously attacked um, the Bangladeshi bank for a billion dollars. They only got like 80 million because of a typo. But if, if you guys have some time today or whatever, like put it on your, put it on your like to-do list for the week or something. Darknet Diaries has uh, an episode on the Bangladeshi bank heist. In fact, I think it's called Bangladeshi bank heist. And it's, it's a really well laid out story, you know, classic Jack Recider style um, story of the Bangladeshi bank heist and what went wrong. Well, what went wrong for the North Koreans? It's awesome. It's awesome. It is so awesome. Uh, definitely worth your time. Very, very grandiose attack going for a billion dollars. This right here, Love it. Okay, so uh, North Korea has got this Maui ransomware. They're targeting U.S. hospitals, which is absolutely deplorable. As I mentioned before, um, there's a lot of gross things about attacking a hospital. It's like attacking a medic in a battlefield, right? There's a reason medics have the little cross on their helmet and they wear the little armband. The idea is that in, you know, war is hell, but in modern rules of conflict, you don't shoot medics. Right? They're supposed to be like not safe, I guess, because they're delivering healthcare. We are humans, right? We do have some level of compassion and empathy. So, anyways, uh, these guys are attacking hospitals. And the good thing is, it says the FBI not only could disrupt their operations, but for victims who have already paid, get their money back, which is wicked hard and really unheard of. We saw it with Colonial Pipeline uh, last year. Uh, where the FBI or the, the U.S. government got the money back. But guys, most of the time, the reason threat actors like crypto is because you can't get it back. It's like a wire transfer. It's gone. It's gone. Uh, so for them to get the money back is pretty impressive. Um, and hopefully more organizations. I feel like organizations are actually getting savvy about uh, reaching out to law enforcement for help as soon as there's a problem. It used to be at the beginning, like the beginning, quote unquote, the beginning, like 2017, 2018, if you got hit, you didn't know what to do or who to call. And like, maybe you call the local police and they're like, what are we going to do? I can't help you. This is North Korea attacking you. Like, sorry. So now we've gotten a little bit more wiser um, protocols and processes that are in place. The FBI is tracking things. They've got um, SOPs. So, the good news is um, they're doing stuff and it it's helping, right? This also goes along with, um, we saw CISA yesterday announcing that they're opening an office in the UK. So this globalization, this um, ability to respond and react faster to cyber attacks is great. And guys, this is another wonderful sign. Like ransomware has been rampant for years. It has been the top threat. In fact, if you're looking to break into cybersecurity, right, you should understand what ransomware is, okay? Not, not necessarily how to, like, deploy it or how the encryption works or the difference between Rust and 
C-based ransomware. Just understand what ransomware is, what the threat is, what the impact is to an org, and some um, historical stories, right? Like what is WannaCry? What is Conti ransomware, right? Like some of the bigger news stories and bring that in with you to an interview. I'm telling you, ransomware, I don't care where you're interviewing. They know about ransomware and they are concerned about ransomware. So if you bring the heat that you know what's up, it's going to be advantageous for you. Believe that. Belgian ministries targeted by Chinese threat groups. Belgium's Minister for Foreign Affairs announced that multiple Chinese APTs, including APT 27, 30, and Gallium, targeted defense and interior ministries. No word on if the attacks accessed internal ministry systems or if both were able to deflect attacks. Belgium called on Chinese authorities to adhere to state norms agreed to by the United Nations. A spokesperson at the Chinese embassy in Belgium denied the accusations, saying that Belgian officials did not provide any evidence of an attack. Ah, oh, that's interesting. So I, hold on, why can't I, why can't I switch? Uh, why can't I switch? There we are. Okay, so this is unusual. Okay, so Belgium says that they were attacked by China. A couple of things. One, um, you know, and this is one of those examples where hopefully someone uh, knows a bit more about this and can kind of share with the group either live or on uh, in the comments on replay. I don't know why Belgium would get attacked. Yeah, they're probably a member of NATO. I probably should know that. I don't know. Maybe they're doing something with Russia, Ukraine, and China's getting involved, but I don't understand why China would attack Belgium. Now, here's the thing that's really interesting to me, okay? The thing that jumped out to me, and maybe it jumped out to you as well. China deployed, like, all of their APTs, right? They said it, like, 37, 38, or, um, excuse me, 27, 28, 30, 31, uh, for some reason, Russia's got 29 locked down, or maybe that's uh, Lazarus. Anyways, it doesn't matter. All major Chinese APTs were used in this attack, which is really, really unusual. Typically, it's like one APT because, like, think about it this way. Just from a military operation perspective, right? And again, I wasn't military, but you can map this to corporate America, too. If you have one group, one APT that's going to attack one target, Ministry of Defense in Belgium, right? The coordination, the logistics, the communication, the plan of attack, the staging, the kickoff meeting, the execution, the debrief, like the active uh, comms during the uh, attack, right? All of that's easier to control. When you introduce five different APTs or five different capabilities, five different teams who each have their own skill set, very similar, but different skill sets. You have to coordinate all that. The, like this attack probably had like a couple PMs involved, right? Yeah. Like it, you can't, like, I know that we like sensationalize it in Hollywood that like they just sit there and they just bang on a keyboard and like all the stuff's happening around them and somehow it's magically coordinated. But in reality, humans need coordination, communication. Like, Hey, I got those creds, send them over. Okay. Hey, looks like I popped this box. Okay. Like what's on there. I don't know. Like, you know, Carl, go check out what's in that box. Like, you need to coordinate for effective execution on objective, whatever it is, whether it's nefarious, um, adversarial, whatever. Any project of any magnitude, think about building a house where you got electricians, plumbers, carpenters, uh, supplies being dropped off at the house, permits, uh, like all of the things, the order in which you build the house, 
right? You need a general contractor or a team of general contractors to coordinate. All of that is a long way to point out that I don't know why China overcomplicated this attack, but obviously they did for a reason. So that is very interesting to me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious, like to, to, to commit that much resource to an attack makes me think that there's a high value uh, target or objective in Belgium at the Ministry of Defense, or they were about to do something um, to China. But I don't, I'm going to, I'm going to throw out uh, a hot take here. This is not the end of this, right? I'm very curious to see if Belgium's in the news about doing something against China, if Belgium gets attacked again, if Belgium goes down, denial of service attack, uh, Tro Trojans, uh, Pegasus software on Belgium VIPs. I don't know, but I don't think this is the end of it. And now we have to worry about SATA cables. There are few pleasures in life as pure and absolute as the air-gap-defeating techniques from the mad scientists-slash-security researchers at Ben Gurion University. In their latest report, the researchers documented how SATA cables in a PC can be used as an antenna to exfiltrate data. As usual for these types of exploits, the technique requires an already infected machine, making it somewhat academic. The researchers use the cables to deliver data over radio channels around 5.9995 gigahertz during read and write operations at ranges of up to 3.9 feet. Speeds weren't great, peaking at around one bit per second. The paper also proposes a countermeasure, adding noise during read-write operations, although this could accelerate wear on storage. Okay. All right. A couple of things. One, this is, oh my gosh, this guy. Why can't I? Oh my God. All right. Is my computer like overheat? Okay. First of all, let's give credit to whoever photoshopped this. SATA cable with a snake tongue. Very cool, right? Can we all agree that that's pretty cool? All right. This is the definition. I can't think of a more, you know, appropriate example of academic security research than this story right here. Okay. Researchers were able to demonstrate that they were able to compromise an air-gapped system over a SATA, a SATA cables, uh, you know, by, you know, measuring the pulses of the SATA cable. Okay, a couple things. One, air gap systems is like, you know, the holy grail silver bullet um, for protecting the system. Air gap, meaning that there's no network connection between the system, whether it's an endpoint, a group of endpoints, whatever, and your network, right? So think of a, like, um, you know, whatever, an off-grid house that has, um, solar panels that are powering a little CCTV system that you can only monitor in the house, right? That's an air-gapped system. It's not, you can't access it remotely, so I'm not going to lose my mind over remote access. Okay, that's what air-gapped is. They were able to um, demonstrate that they could pull data off. Now, listen, the reason this is academic is A, because the machine needs to be compromised already. So if you've already got the machine compromised, you really don't need to exfiltrate data this way. Okay. Like you could just exfiltrate data uh, any other way. But if it's air gapped, then, you know, this is how to get data off. But if it's air gapped, how the hell do you compromise in the first place? You'd have to physically get to it by either giving an engineer uh, a rooted USB device or getting physical access yourself. And again, if you're already there, just take the data you need. Second thing about this that makes it 
academic research and totally impractical is that its transfer rates are one bit per second. Guys, I don't know if you've ever tried to Netflix at one bit per second, but it's pixelated. Okay, one bit per second is like, that's like 1950s speed, right? That's not even like 1989 BBS dial-up modem stuff, right? Like the 2400 uh, bit per second or baud rate, right? You know, like that's that's 1989 and that's wicked slow. So it's academic in that they were able to successfully do it, but it's totally impractical. It's unrealistic. You're not going to see this attack in the wild. And, uh, you know, whatever. Good on these guys for making news. Um, it's kind of fun. You know, I don't know if this would be at DEF CON though. All right. If you missed last week's Super Cyber Friday, Okay, so that's the news stories. Now, guys, here we go. Let's see if the Windows workstation, I, it's been reported to me by the mods that my audio isn't going up and down in between stories. So I'm going to turn the music on. Let's see if Windows can win this battle as well. Here we go. Oh, yeah, let that future pop roll over you. Okay, so I've got the audio music going now. And hopefully my mic is still hot and you guys can hear the music softly. I'll take a sip of coffee while I wait. Ah, yes. Thank you, Kimberly. I'm glad the audio has been good. All right, guys, real quick. It is Wednesday, which means it's Threat Gen Let's Play Wednesdays, guys. In two hours, you can see here on the stream. Uh, what the is going on here? I can't make that bigger, apparently. Whatever. In two hours, if you go to youtube.com slash Threat Gen, you will see me take on Brandon Poole live in the Threat Gen Red versus Blue cybersecurity simulation platform. What is this? Basically, uh, I will be a red team operator, which is why I'm wearing my competitive jersey today because I wanted to be uh, nimble and agile as I attack the crap out of Brandon. I will be the red team actively attacking an industrial control system defended by Brandon Poole. He will be the CISO and the SecOps team. If you're not familiar with the Threat Gen Red versus Blue platform, it's basically a simulation platform that allows you to uh, either attack assets using actual red team capabilities, like kind of the um, cyber kill chain, or you can be a defender and you are managing a network, right? So you have to put in firewalls, EDR, logging, SIMs, uh, do incident response, all those things. It's a really cool platform for learning cybersecurity, but one of the ways that we have fun with it uh, and I'm wicked pumped because it's part of my job, is that we go heads up battle between senior industry practitioners. Uh, I'm more of a blue teamer, but I do have red capabilities. Brandon is a detection engineer. He owns his own company doing um, incident response, differ type stuff. And he's a wicked cool guy and he's wicked knowledgeable. He will be talking mad smack and um, he will also be educating you on blue team. So, you know, I try to make my streams educational all the time. Uh, but you'll just hear a different voice with Brandon and he's wicked smart. So it's very cool. Um, are you running it with a background this time? I'm not sure what you mean by that, Joel. But what I will tell you is a, a couple things. With this particular stream, there will be three active streams going. Simply Cyber, this channel that you're on right now, will be streaming my feed. And you will get my commentary, my analysis, and you will only see my side of the game board. Brandon will be running his own stream. Um, and I don't know where he's running it yet because he's he's just started a YouTube channel for this reason. And then on Threat Gen, 
Simon Linstead and Clinfo Dungeon will be um, like Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. They will be in the booth and they will be showing my feed on my turn and then Brandon's feed on Brandon's turn. And they will be doing objective, independent analysis of the decision-making process and all that stuff. So I know uh, Jess Bishop, she likes to have um, like my feed open and Threat Gen's feed open and kind of get a taste for that. So you you can opt for that. But anyways, what, what you need to know is that um, today at 11.30, we're going to have a wicked good time. It's going to be fun. So, you know, you can go to Simply Cyber. If you go to simplycyber.io, the website, slash streams, you'll see all of my upcoming live streams. But this one, the same promo card will be there if you want to watch my feed. Obviously, I don't really pump this um, pump this one, but if you hit subscribe and you hit the bell for notifications, when I go live at 11.30, YouTube or Chrome or whatever the elders of the internet have decided will push a notification to you to tell you that I've gone live. So it's not about hitting the bell for notifications so I can have metrics to report on. It's much more so you are aware and you don't miss the stream. Um, so anyways, I'm wicked excited about that. Looking forward to it um, as always. And then, of course, recall that tomorrow at... Um, yeah, I'm going to go to simplycyber.io slash streams right now. You can see what it looks like. Later uh, tomorrow at... What's up, YouTuber? It's Jerry Oji 4.30. You can see we have Dave Klein uh, coming on to talk about Sock Analyst and how to, like, basically battle bird out and get out of the way. BSEC. BSEC with a squad member. Probably a renewal. Or maybe he's a new squad member. I don't know. BSEC. Thank you for the squad support, friend. Love it. All right, guys. That is going to do it. I think we had a great show today. I saw multiple people talk about the audio. So guess what? Windows 1, Apple 0. All right? I tried. I tried, people. I ran Apple for four years or so, okay? I feel like that that's a fair pilot, right? I feel like I gave it a fair shot. Windows wins. Windows wins. Guys, thank you so much. Obviously, I see people saying hit the like button if you if you got a second. I do appreciate that. Uh, enjoy each of you being here. Again, if you were live, thanks for your time. Um, I hope you got value out of this. Obviously, uh, I show up every morning at 8 a.m. to deliver this value, and uh, I get value from you. Like your commentary, I can't read it all uh, while the stream's going, but your comments, your your thoughts and perspective, it makes me a better practitioner. So thank you. We're all learning here. If you're on replay, hashtag team replay in chat. Make sure you get credit for the CPEs. Definitely don't want to miss that. Guys, can't wait. I hope you can be there at 1130 today. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow at 8 a.m. or later today at 1130. Cheers, everybody.